This is Financially Tuned with Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard of Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now here is Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard to help you find out how to be financially tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Financially Tuned with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. The title for today's show is Year-End Tax Smart Tips for IRAs. Uh, we just want to point out, if you've missed any of our previous shows, please feel free to look on our website, www.wellingtonadams.com. Or if you have any questions about today's show or any previous show, please feel free to give us a call at 855-793-2409. Uh, we do provide a complimentary consultation to anyone that gives us a call and wants to sit down with us. Um, at this point, I'd like to welcome to the show our co-host, Tony Shore. How you doing, Tony? Oh, Baron, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. And I have a lot of questions for you today. Um, you told me earlier what you wanted to talk about, and I'm like, oh yeah, there's a lot I think we need to know about this. So I'm excited to get into that. But before we do, uh, I had a crazy week. Uh, of course, a couple of weeks ago, Thanksgiving, uh, I ate too much. I'm finally recovered from that, but now I'm going to my kids' band concerts um, and uh, sitting through, sometimes sitting through um, a high school and junior high band concert is Sometimes it's trying. Oh, that's pretty cool. What do you what do your kids play? What instruments? <laughs> yeah, um uh, my youngest daughter plays clarinet and my middle daughter uh plays oboe. Oh. Uh, my son played trumpet but now he's in college. Uh and he doesn't play trumpet in college, but my middle daughter is really into band. She goes on all the trips. Uh, she plays saxophone and oboe. And uh her concert, the high school concert was very good actually. The holiday music. Uh the junior high concert um, not as good. They're still working on it, but, uh, <laughs> but I go to support them and they do great and they, they enjoy it. But that's what I've been doing. How about you, Baron? How have you been? I've been really good also, Tony. Actually, I used to play trumpet in high school also. Used to be pretty darn good at it and then stopped for a while. And I just actually picked it up not too long ago because I just, well, I played trumpet as well. Yeah. That's what a small world. Yeah, well. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, we had a good week, nice and, nice and busy. Um, just taking care of business, sitting down with clients, enjoyed the weekend, did a lot of work as far as putting up some of those holiday decorations. I think I went a little overboard this year, but you know, hey, the neighbors all have to deal oh, with awesome. it. That's all. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Simon, I heard you chuckling there. Did you play any instruments in high school? No, no, I did not. And I guess that's the difference between our wonderful radio voices here. <laughs> the two of you having the experience and me, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, band isn't for everybody, but uh, it sure was fun. Um, Simon, you've been good, I assume. You're always busy. Yeah, yeah, doing well. Thanks, Tony. Uh, I yeah. haven't set up any Christmas decorations, so Baron's helping offset my uh, lack of doing anything on his end. Trust me, I've seen his place before. <laughs> All right. Well, so we're talking about year-end tax smart tips for IRAs. 
And I think this sounds like a, a great topic. Um, what's the first year-end tax tip that you want to share with our listeners today, Baron? Well, Tony, we just want to talk about a little bit about contributions and distributions. Um, with contributions, there's no need to rush into um, them for the 2018 IRAs. The contribution deadline is April 15th, 2019. So by then, you know, your tax preparation and filing properly are all going to be done. Therefore, workers and their spouses can really make informed decisions as to how much they want to contribute. Um, that's up to 5500 or individually or 6500 for those that are 50 and older by the uh, year end 2018. At that point, you can also decide among deductible traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, non-deductible IRAs, um, according to the relevant age and income limits. So we want to talk a little bit about distributions. Um, clients should not confuse the April 15th, 2019 deadline for 2018 IRA contributions with the deadline for 2018 IRA distributions. The distributions must be made by this December 31st to count for 2018. Distributions generally fall into one of two broad categories. First one, required. These are the RMDs, you've heard that word probably before. These must be taken in order to avoid a 50% penalty on any shortfall. So it's a pretty salty penalty if you don't take those required minimum distributions. Um, also, you can take voluntary distributions. Um, you know, besides beyond those requirement distributions, IRA owners, they can withdraw as much or as little as they wish. Um, also, one thing to point out, distributions before age 59 and a half may also trigger a 10% penalty um, unless an exception applies. So IRA owners age 70 and a half and older must take required minimum distributions each year. Generally, they use the uniform lifetime table to find the life expectancy factor, and that's how you calculate your RMDs. There is an exception, though, for those individuals whose spouses are more than 10 years younger and are the sole primary, uh, primary beneficiary. They actually use the joint life expectancy table. So, for example, if clients reached age 70 and a half in 2017, for the first time, you know, this is their first year that they're taking it, their required beginning date was April 1st of this year. So, another reminder also that people kind of tend to sometimes forget about is that married couples who are both taking their RMDs from their IRAs in 2018, they both must take their necessary RMDs from their own IRA accounts. Um, you can't have, for example, the husband taking the wife's IRA distribution RMD from his account as well as, you know, for hers. They have to come from each account separately. So, Simon, what do you have for uh, year-end tax smart tips for us? Well, I have an interesting observation on Barron's comments. If I caught right. that beginning part correctly, he said, you don't have to worry so much about this year's distribution until April 15th. Her contribution, excuse me, and I had to laugh because the way he said it was like, oh, you don't even have to worry about it this year, and Baron never puts off anything. So the fact that he just kind of blew it off like there's no rush is very much more me than Baron. so I would wait to do it till later, and he would always get it off his plate right now. So That's true, actually. <laughs> the, the reason why is, is because if you wait till like April 15th of next year, you actually, and this is only for the first year that you turn 70 and a half, but 
Well, the only year that you turn 70 and a half, there's not going to be more than one. <laughs> but when you turn 70 and a half, you do have the ability to wait until April 15th of the next year. But I usually don't recommend doing that because then you have to take the next year's RMDs in that same year, which actually could bump you into a higher tax bracket. So we always actually uh, recommend that you take it before December 31st. Good point. Yeah, that is a good point. So, so Simon, what else do you have for us? Well, you know, um, as we're talking about IRAs here, you know, one of the things that I think that comes up from time to time, and I've had a few people mention to me or ask about recently now that the tax laws have changed a little bit, um, are about their distributions and making them to giving them to charitable church, things like that. Those, you know, how does that charitable aspect work? And it's changed a little bit here. Um, in 2018 as the tax laws were updated. And one of the big factors is that it's become more difficult to itemize essentially, you know, they've increased the limits um, for the standard deductions to 12,000 and 24,000 for individuals or couples. If you're over 65, you've get another 1300 on top of that. So the threshold just to kind of overcome that's gotten higher as well as the fact that they've kind of put some maximums and caps on some things like the state and local uh, taxes to write those off and itemize. A lot of retirees at this stage don't have as much mortgage interest. You know, usually the only one that kind of creeps up there as far as itemizing goes is the medical deduction. So when they're saying, hey, can I, you know, make a donation to charity or use some of my required distributions? You know, if you take that distribution to yourself and then give some of that away to a charity or church or whatever the charitable cause is there for you. Um, you know, if you're using that itemization threshold, it's a lot more difficult to do. So not as many people I've noticed are aware of the fact that you can have your distribution sent directly to the charity. So rather than you taking ownership of the funds, you can either have a check made out and sent to you for them, and then you can present it to them if you'd like to do it that way, or just have the funds directly sent to the charity. And most of the custodians, uh, investment groups that you have funds with will be able to do that and accommodate that. And that then will not be recorded as income on your tax return. So that's a big way to keep that tax down if you're doing any significant amount to charities, uh, church, things like that. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a really good one. That's a great tip. Um, now we have to take a quick break here. Baron, is there anything you want to add before we do? Um, no, just again, Tony, we um, provide a complimentary consultation to anyone that would like to sit down, has any questions regarding their taxes. We work very, very closely with local CPAs as well as we have national presence with CPAs um, who helped us with a lot of the financial planning. I mean, it's really important as far as what you make, you try to keep as much as possible and keep it in your own pocket. So if you do want to sit down with us, we can provide a complimentary consultation. Um, please feel free to give us a call at 855-793-2409 or visit us on our website, wellingtonadams.com. All right. Thanks, Baron. And listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of Financially Tuned and our hosts, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard, after this. Do you feel like you need help navigating your retirement? Retirement can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. With our Retirement Income Toolkit, you can get the information you need to help secure your retirement. This toolkit provides valuable information on income planning, asset allocation, tax planning, legacy planning, and more. Receive your Retirement Toolkit from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory by visiting wellingtonadams.com or by calling us at 855-793-2409. 
And welcome back to Financially Tuned with our hosts, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard of Wellington Adams. Uh, Baron, I got a question for you. What are we talking about here? Do you have any more tips for us? I mean, these are some great ones you've had so far. Um, yeah, Tony, I wanted to talk about as far as the requirement of distributions, um, you know, they're, you get the beneficiaries have to be where RMDs um come with possibly a steep penalty and they're not solely the responsibility of those just age 70 and a half or older. IRA beneficiaries of all ages, they have to take those required minimum distributions if they inherit it. And the same 50% penalty applies for insufficient withdrawals. You know, you know, indeed, even Roth IRA beneficiaries actually have RMDs as well as the exposure to the 50% fine regardless of whether they will owe zero income tax on the distribution. Roth IRA owners never have RMDs, but Roth IRA beneficiaries do have to comply with the required minimum distributions. Um, I also want to touch base on split inherited IRAs. Um, they have to be taken by year's end. If an IRA owner died in 2018 and had multiple individual beneficiaries named on a beneficiary form, then they can each use their own life expectancy for calculating what that required minimum distribution would be. It's commonly referred to as the stretch IRA. If the inherited IRAs are split into separate shares before the end of this year, you have to really make sure that that's done because otherwise, if you don't, the beneficiaries are going to be forever stuck using the age of the oldest beneficiary, even if they split their shares in a later year. So again, this has to be done by the end of the year after the IRA owner's death. Um, also, I want to talk about that fact that the beneficiary should verify that all 2018 RMDs for deceased IRA owners, if not taken by the IRA owner when alive, are paid out to the beneficiaries by year end. Um, that's important. The year of death uh, RMD is calculated as though the account owner lived for the entire year. And what happens, it's often overlooked, um, particularly when IRA owners die near the end of the year without taking their full RMD. So again, if you don't have that taken out before the year end, beneficiaries are going to face a 50% penalty on the shortfall. Wow. Well, I think that that's really important to note, obviously. Um, Simon, what do you have for us as far as tips? Well, I'll shift gears a little bit here and kind of point out something that's come up a few times in conversation, and that's Roth IRAs versus IRAs and doing Roth conversions. You know, each year you have the opportunity, option to convert your IRA over to a Roth. You know, there used to be income limitations and things like that uh, years prior, and they've reduced those. So for some people, they are not able to contribute potentially, but they may have the option to convert an IRA over to a Roth. You have up until year's end to do so. Um, but it's a big thing that's come up here recently, again, because of some of the recent tax changes, you know, especially for those uh, whose incomes, you know, between 100,000, 340,000 in that range, you know, they may not have had the option to contribute to Ross and in the past and the taxes has changed quite a bit. You know, those people are paying 25, 28, even 33% on some of that income, uh, just the federal side of things. And now they're at the 22, 24% tax rate. So that's a significant one. Um, a couple of times recently, people have said, well, I did that at the beginning of the year, but now the market's down quite a bit. Did I make the right decision? You know, oftentimes we have these pullbacks and things like that. And I don't think that's something to be too short-sighted or worry about. Um, 
But if there is a big adjustment in the market and you have a significant loss, in some cases you have the option to do what they call a recharacterization. You know, that's passed for this year. Uh, you have up until you file your taxes, which you can delay out to October 15th. Um, so if that's a concern of yours, you know, it's something to be aware of to consider. Uh, don't let that kind of uh, get in the way of making the bigger uh, decision, bigger tax uh, consideration. Also, one last thing I'll point out for those that are in 65 or older, if you're considering doing a Roth conversion before that required distribution phase kicks in, you should be aware that sometimes uh, that may change your Medicare premiums. Uh, they have, for those Part B premiums, Baron knows a little bit more, uh, different tiers based on your income. And if your income goes up because of doing a Roth conversion, that could change that. So that's one of the things you want to keep in mind when you're making those decisions. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's really important to understand that. And that's, you know, we don't have to do all this on our own. That's where you guys come in to help us out with these things. Uh, is there anything else uh, either one of you want to add before we take another break? Well, Tony, you know, the uh, other thing that comes to mind as Baron and I are sitting here staring at each other lovingly, deciding what topic <laughs> to drag out the last portion for, <laughs> was the uh, employer contributions. You know, make sure... Yeah, we always mention this and we've mentioned it before. You know, if you have an employer 401k who's making a contribution match to what you're doing, make sure that you're uh, taking full advantage of that. You know, you have up until the end of the year to contribute to your 401ks. If you're under that match, you know, you've got a couple weeks here left. Increase the amount that you're going in. Make sure that you take full advantage of that. Contributing to your 401k brings down your taxable income. So you don't really lose as much dollar for dollar as you may think. You know, for every dollar that you put in, you don't lose a full dollar on your paycheck. It's coming out pre-tax. So there's some advantages there, but you definitely want to make sure that you're taking advantage of their contributions, their matching, things like that. Yeah. Otherwise you're just missing out on free money. I tell that to my clients all the time. You have to at least take what the um, employer is willing to match up to. Simon, you were talking about something in our last segment, and you wanted to clarify your point there. Yeah, we were talking about the Roth conversions and the recharacterization. Recharacterization was the option to basically undo your Roth conversion, rebalance, change it around. And that has existed prior to October 15th, but in the tax law changes that's done. That does. I didn't mean to say that you can do that moving forward every year through October 15th. This was the last year you had the option that's passed. So that's no longer an option. The key point being, don't be too short-sighted and worry about the market's ebbs and flows. You know, Do the Roth conversion for the right reasons for the tax benefits. If you're in a year where you think there might be some type of big movement to the downside, wait till later in the year to do that. It, it also might be really good idea to actually do the recharacterization. Well, excuse me, to, to do that right at the end of the year, if you were going to convert to the Roth IRA, because then you don't have to really necessarily worry about whether the account is going down. The point that I wanted to try to make is that when you recharacterize, the reason why you used to do that is, is because if you had just converted your Roth IRA and then three months later, the account, the market took a dive and your account value, you know, went down. You used to be able to recharacterize it and say, I do it, you know, I'll do over. I don't want to do it and, tra and transfer it back to a regular IRA and then maybe recharacterize it later on when the market came back or, or excuse me, recharacterize it at that point when the market was low. So you'd have a lower tax con uh, consequence. But again, now you cannot do that anymore. So now really the best 
probably the best time to do that is at the end of the year. So you don't have to really worry about that much, how much the market's going to either go up or down at that point. You have a more definitive idea. Unless the idea. market goes up that year. Yeah. <laughs> you have at least a more definitive Since idea. Since the market goes want. up four to five years on average, I say do it at the beginning of the year and don't be short-sighted. Or wait yeah, till I later in the year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good idea, honestly. Uh, good advice. Now, guys, uh, Simon, you were also talking to me before the show about some things that we all need to do before January 31st of next year to make sure that uh, we don't overlook things that we need to do, right? Sure, Tony. One of the uh, things that comes to mind that's not related to IRAs but does is along the lines of when do you pay your taxes, when things are high or low, and when's the market going up or down um, is something that they call refer to as tax loss harvesting. So in your regular investment accounts that are not in retirement accounts where you have taxable consequences each year based on it going up or down, you know, in years when you have a significant decline or correction or mid-year corrections or timeframes when certain assets and investments are doing really poorly relative to others, tax loss harvesting is something that comes up. This is a good example in a year where the market was doing great at the beginning. We've had some significant corrections, but a lot of them are in the tech sector and things like that. You know, if you're holding individual stocks in that sector or uh, uh, ETFs in that sector or just broad based index funds, um, and you may have had a significant adjustment, one of the things you consider is selling those while they're down, taking some of those losses based on that in that current year, using them to offset your ordinary income tax reinvesting them in other assets that, you know, maybe you needed to rebalance into or you're feeling more strongly for hanging on to them and getting a better taxable consequence in them over the long run with long-term capital gains. So that's one that comes to mind. A little bit complicated. That's the gist of it. Uh, Years like this one, it's a big one because there's a lot of movement in different asset classes and some big short-term adjustments that potentially you can take advantage of from a taxable standpoint. So, Baron, uh, what do you have to add to this? Um, Just one thing that I wanted to talk about real quickly as far as something to make sure you get done by the end of January is make an early IRA contribution. Contributing on the earliest day possible for the year, you know, rather than on the last day possible, the end of the year, um, which is the due date for the year's tax return, it generates 15 and a half months of extra investment returns on the contributions for that year. So that higher balance is gonna then compound over all future years until the funds are withdrawn from the IRA. If you do this every year, it's gonna multiply the effect. Making contributions as early in the year as possible instead of at the last minute can really significantly increase the IRA's value um, by retirement age. Speaking of IRA contributions, Baron, you know, that reminds me, and we had mentioned this prior show, you know, make sure everyone that your beneficiaries are correct on your retirement accounts. Retirement accounts supersede your wills, your estate planning, all that type of stuff and go directly as you have them labeled. Unfortunately, all too often we see people come in that haven't had them updated for a long time. You know, it may or may not matter depending on your situation, but it's something you should review, especially if you've gone through a divorce, if a spouse has passed, uh, one of the children, beneficiaries, something like that has changed. It's something that you want to be aware of because you want to make sure that your assets are distributed properly. I, uh, one of my good, good friends that got me into the business years ago was telling me probably two years ago now about a really sad story where he had met with a young man, young man had gone through a divorce. It had gotten pretty ugly with his ex and he has a daughter and his biggest concern was protecting his daughter. So 
a buddy of mine had pointed out to him, hey, you don't have your 401k beneficiaries updated properly. They still have the X on them. Same with one of the life insurance policies. So they were doing some estate planning, doing some updating with his investments, things like that. And they updated it, added some new life insurance, put together a good plan, protected the daughter. And yes, you guessed it. Young man was in an accident just a couple days later before all the paperwork had changed over and his ex-wife got all the assets, wow. 401k, life insurance. And everybody kind of looks at it and says, well, you know, at least she's going to look out for her daughter. You know, the biggest concern there was just that. And the reality is it wasn't her daughter. So, yeah, didn't go the way they had planned. That's one of those that things sad. to be That's aware why of. Those benef- yeah, those beneficiary designations are important. Uh, Baron, is there any other points you want to add to this discussion before we go? Well, I just wanted to briefly talk about, you know, trying to maximize tax efficiency. I mean, going off a little bit as far as, you know, year end stuff, but generally speaking, investments that tend to lose less of their return to income taxes are really good candidates for taxable accounts. And likewise, investments that lose more of their returns to taxes really should go to tax advantage accounts. Um, it can really be especially important if you're uncertain about the tax bracket that you're going to end up down the road choosing between a traditional IRA um, or 401k and a Roth account. You know, why not just split your uh, contributions between the two if you're not sure? When you start withdrawing money in your retirement, you'll be able to manage your income tax bracket with more flexibility as you're able to pick and choose which types of accounts you take your cash from. Um, you may want to focus on tax-free muni bond income and long-term capital gains from your taxable accounts, uh, tax-free income from your Roth accounts, and only enough from the taxable IRAs to keep you moving into the next highest tax bracket, you know, or to satisfy the required minimum distributions. Use, utilizing different account types for tax treatment can really also help you plan for some of your estate planning goals. Um, if you're thinking about leaving stocks to your heirs, stocks in taxable accounts are generally preferable. And that's because the cost basis is calculated based on the market value of the stocks at the time of death, rather than at the time that they were originally bought, which you know they may have been more substantially less at that point. So in contrast, stocks in tax deferred accounts don't receive this type of treatment since distributions are taxed as ordinary income. So just in general, holding tax-efficient investments in taxable accounts and less taxable-efficient investments in tax-advantage accounts really should value um, add value over time. Well, you guys have really covered a lot of ground today, and I'm sure our listeners out there have some questions, uh, but we're out of time for today's show. Why don't you let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you? Tony and the listeners, everyone, you can reach us at 855-793-2409 or online at wellingtonadams.com. You know, we covered a variety of topics today, kind of bounced around a little bit between a lot of things to consider for year-end tax planning because there are quite a bit of things to consider. The reality is we are happy to help and point that out to everyone, but you should have an advisor that's already been pointing it out to you, outlining a plan and already addressed many of these things by this stage of the year. And if you don't, you need to ask yourself, why not? And why wouldn't you give us a call? Again, that's toll-free, 855-793-2409. Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Baron Fitzgerald or Simon Hilliard at Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. Call 855-793-2409 or visit them online at wellingtonadams.com.
All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Baron Fitzgerald, Simon Hilliard, and Wellington Adams Investment Advisory are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.